You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 68, Healing from Betrayal in Your Marriage. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Today's episode is about an extremely sensitive, emotional, tender topic, but one that I think will be very important for many women to hear. Today we are talking about betrayal in marriage and how to move forward and heal. It's Valentine's month, so there's a lot of talk right now about soulmates and romantic love and the cute things partners are doing for each other. But in the midst of that, there's often very real heartbreak playing out in families, and they may be looking around at social media or even their friend circles and thinking, are we the only ones who are struggling? And I've watched dear friends go through the heartbreak of discovering that their spouse was having an affair or is addicted to pornography or that there's been a crime committed and that they might have to face jail time. There's so many different situations, but one common denominator through all of those has been a sense of loneliness for my friends. They expressed to me this feeling of isolation and feeling that they couldn't talk to anyone about this really hard thing going on in their life because of shame, because of protectiveness of their spouse. If it was their spouse who was having the issue, they didn't feel like it was their story to tell. And also just their own pain kept them from sharing. And so I hope that today's episode will help you know that if you are in this place, you are not alone. My guest today is an incredibly brave, generous, and beautiful woman who has been where you are. Her name is Mika Perry. She's a mother, a blogger, and a podcaster, and just an all-around stellar human being. She's honestly one of the most encouraging women I've ever known. She has gone out of her way to encourage me on my podcasting journey, and I know that she'll offer encouragement to all of you listening today on this really important and tender topic. So Mika, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you so much, Rachel. It is an honor to be here. And I just want to take this moment to thank you, Rachel, for all of the work that you do into this podcast. I am a huge fan, and you are such a blessing to all of the women listening here and gaining strength from you. So I just wanted to thank you for the time you put into this. Well, that is so kind. And that is so Mika Perry right there, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) You are such an encourager. Honestly, it's something that I admire so much about you. We've never actually met in person, but yet you still like you just reach out to me and share the things you've learned from my podcast. You share the episodes with your following and Just thank you for all of the support that you've been to me. Absolutely. I am a huge fan. I'm actually fangirling at the moment that I'm here talking to you. (laughs) And I would be lying if I said I didn't actually daydream about being on this podcast last year when I discovered it. um, I was traveling and in my mind, I was coming up with my three takeaways. And I did not think this would be the topic that you would ask me to share on. But I am so glad you did because it's a very important one to me um, and really changed my life in 
so many ways um, yeah. that I'm, I'm really happy to be here today with you. And you do have so many varied areas of expertise. You're, you were a professional organizer and your feed has so many amazing tips on that. And I've loved learning from you on your podcast with your husband, Russ, about like morning routines and just all sorts of things. But the the podcast that struck me the most that you two have done together is where you shared about this journey where you talked about however many, seven years ago, right, that Mm -hmm. you found out that Russ was having an affair. And what was so touching to me about that episode was to hear you two talk about it together. I feel like I've heard women talk about having betrayal in marriage, but I've never heard it done with their spouse right there. And just the tender, respectful way that you two talked about the experience, talked about each other. It's just such a touching episode, and I will definitely link it in the show notes. But that's when I'm like, this is what I want her to talk about. She is the perfect person to talk to these women who may be in a really hard place right now and feeling very alone. Absolutely. And it's that alone feeling that was my decision, the what I the factor in my decision to open up about this topic. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that vulnerability connects people. And what both Russ and I are are working towards is to get people out of the suffering and silence pattern um, mm. because that is so painful. It is so painful. And I, I will touch a bit on, on that pain and how that factors into it all. So I reached out to you and invited mm-hmm. you to come on the show and said, can you, would you be willing to talk about this? And you were so gracious and agreed. And we both talked about how we don't want this to be an episode telling people what to do because everybody's situation is so different. This isn't an episode about whether or not you should get divorced or stay together because we don't know any of that background. But I asked Mm -hmm. Mika to share sort of the thought work that she did to get through this experience and to find strength in herself. And she will, of course, share how this ended up panning out for them. And so just why don't you go ahead and tell us your first takeaway? So my first takeaway here is to give yourself permission for whatever you need to take the next step forward. So when this happened, when I found out the morning that I found out about this affair, I instantly knew the feeling of the saying the rug got pulled from under you. Because that's exactly what it felt like. I remember standing in the kitchen. I even remember the direction I was standing. I was looking towards the sink. And when I knew my world like shifted sideways and I really felt like I lost my footing. Mm. I, I knew the world I had before. Everything I knew up until that moment was gone. And that going forward was going to be different. It, it mm. felt very shattering. I was a mom. I had actually Reese, who is now six and a half. Um, she was two months old. And I will never forget the holding her. She was swaddled up in her little receiving blanket and just holding her little newborn when I when I confronted Russ. And having that strength, I, I even there's strength in, in being a mother for sure that you just grab from the depths of your soul. And that's what I did. And I remember I had a uh, a doctor's appointment for her, a two-month checkup that morning. <laughs> and I took her After to After you talked to him? Yes. 
Yeah. I got her dressed and I got myself dressed and I left and I went and I felt like I was underwater listening to the doctor and just go through a regular checkup. But I just knew I needed to move forward. So once that happened, I definitely went through the stages of grief. And before then, I really thought, you know, that's so cliche, you know, all the different stages that you go through, but really it does happen. And especially now looking back at it, I definitely had stages of shock, you know, finding out anger. So the next thing I did after that doctor's appointment is I came home and I kicked him out. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Then alone, I through things. I took the pictures off the walls, all of our wedding photos, all of our frame photos. I'm not an angry person, but I was on fire. And Mm -hmm. I threw them. Um, In some ways, I felt like this is what I should do. This is what someone going through this would be doing. And but it felt Mm -hmm. right to me. And I did that. And then you go through stages of denial of even bargaining, trying to find a way out. I did let Russ back in. Actually, that was a result of a conversation with my mother. I remember standing in the middle of Target. I just was trying to live a normal life somehow. This had now gone on for a couple of days and and he had still not yet come home. And I was at Target <laughs> and uh, funny, Target just finds a way into life somehow. But um, that's mom life for you. But I was standing there and just looked at her and said, what should I do? And and I knew it and she knew it, and, I, and she just said, let him come back, let him come home. And so he did come home. Um, he was obviously extremely remorseful. I've never seen him cry or scream or be in agony like that. But at the same time, we are, you know, we're best friends. And um, so we, in starting the process, we in times acted like nothing had happened. So that's part of denial. Then I would be depressed, you know, realization that I was a woman who had been cheated on. That alone just sent me into stages of depression. We did seek out counseling. And, uh, you know, so that was finding some realistic solutions, testing it out, seeing what we can do. And then kind of the final step you could say in a way is closure of acceptance, which is finally hand in hand finding the way to move forward. And Mm. so these different stages, it's okay. I want to point out that it's okay to move back and forth between the stages. It's okay to skip them. It's okay if you don't experience any of that. It's okay if you only experience one. But a a quote I recently heard is that forward movement may not always be linear. And you can think of it kind of like a wave. It goes up and down and up and down, but you're moving forward. And that Mm. just really kind of epitomizes the progression of the initial stages of this process of recovery and healing, that it was ups and downs and two steps backs and one step forward. Um, But we had the intent within us to move forward. And, you know, I mentioned that this is very, it's very lonely to go through something like this. And this happened before social media. It wasn't Instagram. Maybe there wasn't. It was just starting out, but I wasn't active on it. And I didn't know really what to do. There isn't really at, for me at the time, there wasn't podcasts like this I can listen to. There weren't people being vulnerable on social media talking about this topic. And I just Googled, what do I do (laughs) 
mm-hmm. when my husband has an affair. Just all, you know, you go through the, the Google searches of things you type in and sometimes it's so abstract or very to the point. And I just was Googling how to recover from an affair. And one thing that did happen that I would say was helpful just for me in the way that my mind works is that I came across something that said it takes two years to forgive. I was like, huh, (laughs) I work really well with deadlines and a frame of of times. I love using timers throughout the day to, you know, do tasks and, and all that. And for some reason that just stuck out to me. And that was what I needed at the time to say, okay, I have two years to act in pretty much whatever way I wanted to. I gave myself the grace and the permission to feel all the emotions, to act in different ways, even to treat Russ in ways that I wanted to. But I said that when that time was up, I would forgive him. And that is just something that I needed. And that's what I gave myself. So while that may completely be false, I have no idea. I don't recall where I saw that fact, you could call it. But Mm. that helped me. And So I gave myself permission to do that. And I asked for what I needed as we went to counseling. You know, I asked Russ to, you know, give me a minute or I didn't want to go that day. But I think it's important to do what you want to do in this moment, in this stage, because repressed needs, repressed emotions, repressed desires are what led us to that moment. And I think it does Mm -hmm. in many cases. Yeah. And I I can't wait to dive more into that, the repressed things leading to this moment. Um, I did want to ask you a little bit more about the two years. So when you say that you gave yourself this deadline of two years, during that two years, you were actively um, seeking to to stay married, right? Like, it's not like you were like, for two years, I can ignore this or I can... Um, stonewall him or and then in two years we'll do the work to you know it was it was during the two years that you were doing the work but you weren't judging the feelings that you had during those two years is that That, right yes that's a really great way to put it I wasn't judging them and I was letting them come as they needed to um Mm. yeah and and definitely we were putting in the work those two years were the toughest for sure yeah and you were both putting in the work because I think just from what I've observed from close friends who I've watched, you know, scenarios play out. Um, if one partner doesn't really want to save the marriage or if mm-hmm. they're not that remorseful, then um, that can be much harder to cling to the marriage and save it. You know, if it but you were both very willing and wanting to do this work. Absolutely. Um, that moment is Russ's rock bottom for his life. So there had been times prior to that where he didn't want to change and he had destructive behavior, not an affair, but, um, you know, destructive patterns that were, you know, he didn't wasn't ready to change. And so it, it led up to that rock bottom moment. And unfortunately, you know, in many cases, it has to come to that for someone to want Mm -hmm. to change. Um, And it really does have to be that person wanting to change for the change to happen. Uh, And that can be really hard. I just, I really appreciate you sharing, 
just what those what that first little while was like i the details that you shared about um almost like it sounds like the world stood still and you can remember all of these little details of holding your daughter and everything and i know that women will relate to that if they've mm-hmm. been in a similar situation where they they found something out and everything just sort of freeze framed mm-hmm. for there for a second mm-hmm. um so then what what is your second takeaway of how you continued to move forward. Yes. So my second takeaway is to recognize that the behavior is a direct result of pain and fear. So this is something that I have learned through learning about addiction. And I'll touch on that here in in a minute. But through this work that we've done, both individually and together, we have just realized that there is so much pain and fear around us. And in a betrayal like this, now I'm not going to generalize, but the person who betrayed you most likely did not set out with that intention to hurt you. And they are not inherently mean or evil. You know, this is the person you chose to marry. Russ was my best friend. I was in love with him and still am. And Russ was not born a cheater or an addict, but he fell into those behaviors stemming from pains from the past that led him into the actions based on fear. Hmm. So the avoidance of pain results in an addiction, whether it's alcohol or pornography or drugs or any sort of negative behavior that impacts your life. Typically, it's so that you can distance yourself from that pain. And then Mm -hmm. a fear of intimacy, failure. Russ was an entrepreneur. You know, he was he had a lot on the line to support our family and fear of abandonment or fear of facing who they are as a person. That can be a scary thing. And it's something that many people struggle with to discover who you really are and and the good things about you and the bad things about you, the stuff that you struggle with Um, that fear can lead to an affair or a betrayal in a relationship. And so for Russ, his pain was his absent relationship with his father and a generational pattern of addiction. And his fear was having to prove his self-worth to others. And when I asked him, Russ, why did you cheat? Why did this happen? He said, I was lonely. And he said, I was in pain. And he said specifically loneliness and as an entrepreneur. And hmm. and in thinking about this, you know, it, as as you say those things out loud to many and even to myself at times, if they felt like excuses, you know, this is a huge betrayal. <laughs> and hmm. many will say, well, that's just an excuse. But I believe that they are excuses when you are unwilling to change because you will likely continue or support that behavior through avoidance and you'll keep going down that path. So you'll continue with the behaviors and you'll continue making excuses. And we certainly had been doing that up until that point. Russ had a problem with alcohol. He had an addiction to alcohol. And that was an excuse that kept coming over and over. But these excuses become reasons for the behavior when you are willing to change, when you're willing to be open 
and willing to recognize your past and that you are at this amazing, brilliant turning point to become greater and better and deeper and wiser and more equipped and stronger to ultimately forgive and move past the betrayal. And I love that distinction you made between excuses and reasons. Um, there, there is a big difference there. It's, it's one thing to say, well, I have this history with an absent father figure. Therefore, I am this way and there's nothing I can mm-hmm. do about it. Like that's, that's kind of an excuse. But to say, I can see that this, you know, absent relationship with my father is affecting my self-confidence and self-worth and making me act in this way and I need to work on it and address it and set myself free from those that pass, then it's a, it's a reason. It's a real reason for what happened, but it's no longer an excuse. Exactly. And it is a real reason. And I think it's so important to openly recognize all the vulnerability we have as humans, as people, and we're all broken and in pain and struggling. And I believed in that, in Russ, I believed he was a per- good person. And mm. that helped me to invest in us and to move forward. And he, I think, didn't think anyone believed in him. And I th- I don't think he believed in himself. He certainly didn't in many times. He, he lost hope for himself. And that's what led to his behaviors, his addictions, his, you know, his his actions based on those fears. Um, Mm. And that loss of belief in yourself uh, is is hard to deal with. And everyone will take that in different directions. Yeah. And I think what's really powerful here is um, acknowledging that the reason that he cheated was not because you were not enough. You know, and for, as a as a wife, I think that that it feels so personal of these betrayals like I wasn't enough. So he went elsewhere when really it's like, no, the real reason is because of pain and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't it's not an excuse like no. we were saying for what mm-hmm. happened. But the reason is pain and fear. And you and you, your, you know, quote, performance as a wife, whatever that even mm-hmm. means, mm-hmm. is not the reason for this betrayal. So. Um, I think that that, I'm sure, takes a lot of time to actually believe that as if you are the betrayed. Um, But eventually, if you can come to that point where you realize this isn't my fault, I'm sure that that is extremely freeing. Absolutely. It's kind of like when you have the breakup of, you know, it's not you, it's it's me. It's kind of the flip side of that. It's not me. It's you. Yeah. And, And it's not even you. It's everything hard that has happened in your life that has yes. led to this like you yes. at your core are a, a great person and but the, all this mess has gotten in the way you know yes yes absolutely and i think just unveiling that um saves that person and gives that mm. person hope to change and to show them that you see them mm. and that you believe I, in them yes and i'm sure that this wasn't you know, it was not easy to forgive him and say, I believe in you. And because mm-hmm. of all the pain and the hurt, I mean, this was a long process to get here, the two years, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and even more. beyond. Even beyond. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That that two years was the forgiveness um, to be the the anger. I just knew I was like, okay, I need to let it go after two years. 
And Mm -hmm. after that two years, that's a really great point and a question you bring up, Rachel, is what happened after that? And that anger piece went away and the commitment came. I was still committed mm-hmm. to work on us and we did a lot of deep work. But after that, I it was the commitment of this is this is our new normal. And that's where the positivity started to come in to where the mm-hmm. hope to where the investment into our new marriage, our new relationship um, started to take place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that leads really well into your third takeaway. Um, You want to tell us that? Yes. So the third takeaway is to invest in help for yourself, your marriage, and your family. So I think if you're listening to this podcast, you have some interest in investing in help for yourself. You are (laughs) open to new ideas. You're open to being you know, uh, to learn, to educate yourself, to find out more. And I think that is a huge quality and a really positive quality to have to continue to grow and to improve and get past and work through painful moments in life like this. Um, Mm. It was not easy at all to get past that shame and even disgust. I need to mention that here, you know, I'm I was disgusted and I was embarrassed. I at times couldn't even believe this happened. And and I there was times where I hated him, where I hated Russ. I was disgusted that this was even brought into this beautiful family that we're creating for ourselves. But once we laid down our pride, I think that's really important to remember about pride. It is a huge roadblock. It's a huge wall. That, that hardness of ourselves, when we laid it down, I really imagine it as like we put it down on the floor and mm. said, here it is. I'm laying it down in front of you. Let's open ourselves up and let's be truthful. Let's be our mm. true selves. Um, that was huge. And we chose not to get a divorce. And even still, like you mentioned, you know, it's not that two years were up and we're we're done. It is a continuous work. And we even still apply these principles when we have disagreements now. You know, we had a, Mm -hmm. a disagreement this past weekend and and Russ just reiterated, I will not let our marriage fail. And that's something we would not have maybe before openly said, Mm. you know, to recognize that we have a choice to let this fail or not, and we are both in it. Um, So this change, you know, has been has been crucial then and even now, too. And how did you invest in yourself and your marriage and your family during those years? What are some of the things that you did? Yeah. So I mentioned couples counseling. We sought out a Christian counselor and that was the first step. We invested in ourselves with personal development, especially Russ. Um, He went to Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Then he actually uh, went to a program called Celebrate Recovery at our church. And he in our church now here in Arizona, he started that um, that program at a new church and had a hand in that. And also this event actually brought us back to God. We had grown up Christian, but when everything crumbled, we realized that, you know, we lacked faith. We lacked um, a spiritual aspect in our life. We invested in our marriage with date nights. That's something that we 
now still do, we invest in that so that we honor ourselves as a couple again and to, you know, to bring back the romance, to have time alone without kids. And if you're listening and you do go on date nights, bravo to you because it took all of this for for uh, for it to happen for us. Mm. But uh, keep that up. It's so easy to stop doing that. I know mm-hmm. Russ was an entrepreneur. You were too. You were mm-hmm. working and building a, a business as a professional organizer. And um, the date nights just kind of go by the wayside and you have young children and you think it's fine. You know, we're, we're fine. Mm-hmm. But prioritizing that time, no matter how busy your life is for each other, I'm, I, I need to do it. We need to do it right now because I, I start to feel this you know, this lack of com- connection and missing my husband, even though we're together and we live in the same house and we have a good relationship, I still kind of feel like I miss him because we're just, we get too busy. Yeah, absolutely. I, and it's hard. I totally relate with you on that. You have to be intentional. You have to prioritize mm-hmm. it. It does not just happen. Another mm-hmm. thing that we did was that we invested in our family. Um, one huge takeaway from our counseling sessions with our counselor was that we had no family traditions of our own. Hmm. We took on other, you know, our parents' traditions and things that we did with extended family, but we weren't actively creating traditions for our children and for us together as a family unit. Um, So creating even small things like our Friday pizza nights and the travel that we do. We just went on an annual staycation that we do. That's something we started. And really protecting our time with our children can be challenging, but they're a huge source of joy. And they're a reflection of us and our love for each other. And so that strengthened us too. You know, in many ways, our kids saved us in our relationship relationship um, with the joy and the and the grounding, you know, effect that they have for us and, you know, to know what what's really important here. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Because yeah. like you said, I think sometimes we can think of our kids as the problem. Like mm. Ryan and I were talking, we just celebrated our 13th anniversary and um, congratulations. And this, oh, thank you. <laughs> and we have this open relationship where we can talk about stuff like this, which I love that we can talk about this. I, I We were just kind of laying there that night and I said, I feel like I feel this distance, you know, like I was just saying, mm-hmm. I'm like, this maybe hasn't been our, our strongest year as far as our relationship. And he was like, totally. So we kind of talked through that. And then I said, we were so tight and close. And then like when we had kids, things got so much harder. People say the first year of marriage is like so hard. That was not our experience at all. We we were so close and connected. And then once we became parents six years in, we can see that we can see a marked like something changed. And just to talk about that and say, okay, we want to work back to getting that closeness that we had. And also, I love what you're saying here. The kids don't need to be the reason why there was uh, drifting apart. You can really pour into them and pour into your family traditions and have them be something that pulls your marriage together. It's going to be different than it was for mm-hmm. sure, but mm-hmm. it can be even more beautiful because of them. 
Absolutely. And that's an example, Rachel, of laying down your pride, the fact that you and Ryan can have that kind of conversation and openly say, hey, look, we maybe this was not our best year or we're really, you know, our communication is not the best or we're struggling making time for each other. We don't feel as connected. That's huge. We just need to continue doing that and being open because, again, like the repressed feelings and repressed emotions, that's what starts to build up and lead to the suffering and silence, which could not lead to anything big, but it could depending on the person and what they're struggling with. And it can even just lead to this sort of like living parallel lives in your marriage, Mm -hmm. which there's no big betrayal happening, but there's also not this Um, kind of this like life energy that comes from your relationship that I've experienced in my marriage. But then I've also experienced times where that's not happening because we're both just living parallel and everything's fine, but not, not great, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's where I am and where I want to start working is doing these things to just build that connection and closeness again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's important to remember that investments like this that you make in yourselves, in your marriage, with your family, they're not immediate. You know, good investments should not be a quick, immediate return. Mm. And it can be so easy to think, well, we went on a couple date nights and we're still feeling disconnected. Mm-hmm. So that's not yeah. working. It's like it's got it's going to take some time. Yeah. Give it time. Build yeah. up these good habits. Absolutely. And like I mentioned before, with a wave or different stages of, you know, of grief is that you in also in improving and making these great positive strides in your life, you can take steps back, you know, like I mentioned, Russ and I had an argument the other weekend and, and you will take steps back. But what's been amazing is that this horrible, horrible thing that happened to us has actually been the greatest thing because it's made us different. It's it's changed us and we can use it as a source of strength and truth and honesty um, that we can bounce back better and do so in a, a real way and with integrity uh, that leads us to a stronger place going forward. Absolutely. And I really feel like where you are and he is and who you are together today is such a testament to the power of the work that you've done. I mean, even just listening to your podcast, I can feel the respect and adoration you have for each other and Mm -hmm. the strength that you have in yourselves because of the work that you've done. So I would love if you would tell the listeners more about how they can find more about you and more of your good work that you're putting into the world. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Well, Russ wrote a book um, from all of this. It's called The Sober Entrepreneur. It starts with our affair and goes through his process of getting sober and building his business. We now have a life that is of truth, of abundance, joy, and faith, and purpose. Our family is strong. Our oldest, Maddox, knows about this. Uh, She Mm -hmm. has the book. We've given it to her. Um, And Russ has had an open conversation, a hard conversation with her, and one that was tailored, you know, to a 13-year-old. But our purpose, we know that we want to strengthen others through our story, and that includes our children and our children know that we will talk about the hard things with them and we'll love them no matter what. And we've honestly become better parents because of this and better partners too. Um, You can find me on 
our podcast, Good to Be Home. And that was, you know, a little seed that was planted into our minds after going through all of this. I have my personal blog, MikaPerry.com. I'm active on Instagram over at Mika Perry, just simply my name. And I love, love, love connecting with other women and moms on there, just like you do, Rachel, and on all sorts of topics. But I have to say connecting, especially on this very challenging one, has been one of the greatest joys I've had. Well, I'm so grateful that you would come on and share. This is so personal and so brave. And I was just wondering if you have any final thoughts for us on this really important topic, as well as if you could recap your three takeaways. Absolutely. Um, Well, I just want to have the listener here remember that you cannot coast on automatic in a marriage. That is a mistake that we made. We thought that we could. And this is certainly not how we plan for it. And just like any traumatic betrayal or event that happens, it's not planned. It's not what you hope for. You're really sad that it happens. But I'm so grateful because we would have inevitably faced another challenge down the road or we would have been, like you said, Rachel, very surface level. So Mm. if you want to get deep and have truth and meaning in your relationship, um, it, it is worthwhile to forgive, to work on the betrayal and and turn it into an actually positive, wonderful thing. And so to encourage you on that journey, whatever the the struggle you may be going through or betrayal, um, here are the recaps of my three takeaways. Uh, One, give yourself permission for whatever you need to take the next step forward. Number two, recognize that the behavior is a direct result of pain and fear. And number three, invest in help for yourself, for your marriage, and your family. Thank you so much, Mika. That was so beautiful and wise. And I know so many people are out there just nodding their heads or maybe maybe even shedding a tear mm-hmm. um, thinking about their own journey and where they're at. And I'm so grateful to you for sharing. Absolutely. It was my honor, Rachel. Thank you again for having me here today. I hope that you feel uplifted after hearing that story of healing and hope and that you can see how Mika's three takeaways could be applied even if you decided to end your marriage or if you've never faced betrayal in your marriage to this magnitude. These are all ways that we can strengthen ourselves as as individuals as well as strengthen our families regardless of what the makeup of our family looks like at this given time. I would love for you to send this to someone who you think could use it. If you have a loved one who you know is struggling in their marriage, that you could pass this along. I also wanted to remind you that I send out a monthly recap of all of the takeaways from all of the episodes on the first Friday of each month. And you can get on that list by signing up at 3in30podcast.com forward slash takeaways. Thank you for the good work that you're doing in your homes every day. And I hope that you have a great week with your family.